Welcome to the Activist Files, the Center for Constitutional Rights podcast. I'm Ian Head, and my co-host today is Leah Todd, filling in for Aliyah Hussein. Welcome, Leah. Thanks, Ian. On the Activist Files, we feature stories of the activists, storytellers, and lawyers fighting in the social justice struggles affecting our movements and communities. On this episode, CCR's communications director, Chandra Hazlett, will talk with participatory artist Lizanya Cruz. They discuss Lizanya's use of flowers and photography in her work, how her art examines the parallels in immigrant stories, and much more. But first, a roundup of some of the headlines here at CCR. Recently, our friends at Immigrant Defense Project have released a great new resource in collaboration with CCR called Ice Watch. It's an online documentation project of immigration and customs enforcement raids since 2013. It documents nearly 700 raids, the vast majority of which were conducted after Trump's inauguration. You can view the project at raidsmap.immdefense.org. It's a comprehensive and disturbing look at the agency's ongoing abusive immigration practices. Make sure to check it out and share widely. CCR was in New Orleans recently for the Netroots Conference, and afterwards we stayed to support our partners, who paid a visit to a different type of convening happening down the street, the annual meeting of the American Legislative Exchange Council, better known as ALEC. ALEC is funded by wealthy corporate elites like the Koch brothers and exists to write right-wing-friendly laws, which it then pushes legislators around the country to pass. They have a hand in everything from stand-your-ground gun laws and right-to-work union vesting bills to school vouchers and privatizing prisons. Recently, ALEC helped to pass a law in Louisiana criminalizing protest against so-called, quote, critical infrastructure, which target the grassroots movement to stop the Bayou Bridge pipeline. Our Louisiana partners showed up at ALEC's meeting to call attention to the fact that ALEC-designed legislation is threatening the lives and livelihoods of ordinary Louisianians, especially people of color. Setting yet another example of racial bias, police arrested four protesters of color who stood outside on the sidewalk, while inside the ALEC meeting, white protesters interfering with the meeting proceedings were not arrested. You can follow and amplify hashtag abolish ALEC on social media to support the movement. Along with our co-counsel at the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund, we filed a new case against the New York City Police Department over its failure to disclose information on its gang policing policies. The NYPD maintains a database that classifies thousands of New Yorkers as members of local street gangs. 99% of the people in the gang database are people of color. Just like stop and frisk before it, These practices have subjected thousands of people to police surveillance, harassment, and worse. The public needs more information about these programs, which is why we've gone to court to demand the NYPD make it available. And finally, some fairly good news in our case on behalf of Sexual Minorities Uganda, or SMUG, against the U.S. anti-gay extremist Scott Lively. Several years ago, Smug brought suit to hold Lively accountable for his work to silence and attack LGBTI activists in Uganda and deprive them of their rights. Recent Supreme Court rulings have made it much harder to hold people or corporations accountable for human rights abuses committed abroad, and we wound up losing the case not on the merits of what he'd done, but on where he'd done it. But the court noted the egregious facts of the case and Lively's, quote, crackpot bigotry. And this led Lively to do something we'd never heard of before. He appealed his own win. He thought the First Circuit Court of Appeals should purge the opinion of the unflattering language he didn't like. But the appeals court didn't agree and had a few choice words for Lively in its decision. 
So despite the earlier loss, this was an important win. Don't forget to subscribe to The Activist Files on iTunes, Spotify, and the rest of the internet. Now, on with our show. Lizania Cruz is a Dominican participatory artist and designer. She's been described as a socially engaged artist interested in the effects of migration as it relates to notions of citizenship, identity, and ways of belonging. Lizania is also a Create Change Laundromat Project Artist in Residency. Lizania's We the News project was originally commissioned by the Laundromat Project in 2017. The next phase of this project is supported by the Laundromat Project through its first ever one-year artist in residency. I'm here with Lizania Cruz, and we met at the Laundromat Project's gala called The Soapbox. And I was just fascinated by her work, and we met again, and I put on my reporter hat and interviewed her, (laughs) (laughs) and was still very intrigued and asked her to become a guest of The Activist File, so welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So I have a few questions. I'm so excited for our audience to get to know about your work. Can you talk about your first introduction to art and what made you realize you wanted to be an artist? I went to school in the Dominican Republic for graphic design and at the time I was uh, tussling back and forth that I really wanted to be an artist but then I was really interested in the work that some of my friends in the graphic design program were doing so I was going back and forth and decided to do graphic design because I was really attracted to this idea of like communicating powerful ideas in a strong way not that art doesn't do that but I think that graphic design had used a lot of different strategies that were bolder at the time and I started one of like my first personal projects was uh, this project called Flowers for Immigration and at the time I was working doing a lot of flower arrangements for myself and really it was during the Trump he was running for president and I was thinking about the role of flowers and how we use flowers as symbols of empathy and how we use flowers as ways to communicate sentiments. And then thinking through also how flowers have become, they are here and most of the flowers that we buy here are not necessarily from here. So there's 70% of the flowers that are purchased in New York are not native to the region. So the reason that that happens is because there's been all these like commercial agreements between countries that have allowed that to happen and then thinking through like, well, flowers are immigrants as well. So how can we use that to tell the stories of these other undocumented folks? And yeah, and then because I was already building relationships with these bodega workers because I was buying their flowers, I asked them to make a flower arrangement for Donald Trump and then interview them and ask them questions about how they migrated, how long they've been in the country, and then ask them to express themselves through their arrangement. So a lot of things happened during that process. Like one of the participants decided to make a entirely white arrangement because he wanted to show Trump that he was here in peace. And he was just like working for a better future for his family. Another participant decided to use flowers that he was about to throw away. And because they were welding and he was like, 
I don't want to send anything that's beautiful to him and I'm going to send him the flowers that are about to die and then he also added peppers to it and he wanted him to know that he was Mexican. That project sort of like instigated me to think about the ways that we talk about the immigrant narratives and all the different layers attached to it and it's still where I find my work to be this bridge between graphic design and art and I still go back and forth and I'm an artist or a designer but (laughs) yeah I'm still through the motions of it. So if I were a bodega owner and you came to me and invited me to participate in that project my flowers would probably be dead (laughs) (laughs) but I love the idea of some of them were coming in peace or the the wilted flowers. You spent a lot of time in your grandparents' backyard and they had beautiful gardens and you spent time playing in the gardens. Did that impact your interest in flower arrangements? Um, I actually, I'm sure it did. I would make packages out of like the flowers and use the flowers to play the, you know, the supermarket. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I was just interested in flowers as as like a form of expression and I've been interested in how flowers have the ability to change a space, how flowers have the ability to express emotions that we don't need um, verbal language to use. So that's really cool. And also just the fact that flowers are immigrants and yeah. I think, you know, there's such a common thing all over the world but when you first told me the story I was like I will never look at flowers um, the same way because flowers are immigrants and and you mentioned something just about how when you put together a flower arrangement it's a melting pot kind of like America but you still see the individual flowers can you talk a little bit about that also part of the project was really well it is against the melting pot and the idea that I strongly believe that we don't need to assimilate to American culture in order to have impactful community or in order to sustain our community we could be individuals and I think that's the beautiful thing about a flower arrangement that each flower comes like in an individual state but when they come together there are these beautiful compositions and I think that throughout history in this country we've been told that we have to assimilate 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 and the idea of the melting pot as we all come here together and become one and I think that also is a false narrative and I think that we should find ways to empower our community as individuals and be able to talk about all these different intersections. That's beautiful. You describe yourself as a participatory artist. (laughs) (laughs) What exactly does that mean (laughs) and how do you want Um, people to participate in your art? I'm very interested in this idea of creating frameworks for the work to be able to live when people interact with it or how people could change them. And so a lot, like my past work has been very specifically, I'm either interviewing people, asking people to do something. And I hope that I'm able to create different spaces where people could either interact with the piece and create more work. I'm interested in making the framework and kind of like disappearing from the work and allowing the participants to give a new light to the work. I have some trouble with the word social engage. That is typically how my work is described or like the 
the type of artists that I'm interested in. And I think that there's, there's this sense that we are able to empower, change community. And sometimes I feel like it's a big idealistic challenge and I want to be able to create intimate moments that could create reflections and not necessarily change people. So I'm trying to see if I could switch my position <laughs> towards my work into more participatory aspect. And throughout history, there's been like a lot of movements of artists doing participatory work. So they weren't necessarily coining the term, but uh, their work is described as such. Do you have an example of where you have like a project in your mind and where you think it's going to go and then you invite people to come in and participate and it has gone in a completely different direction or there were surprises during the participatory period? All of them. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's like why I'm excited about doing the work I do. It's because I never know what's going to happen. So, for instance, for um, the project I'm currently working on, We The News, the story circles with a prompt, but I never know how people are going to react to the prompt or what they're going to say. And then among that, like how other participants are going to react or what's going to happen. So that's really the most exciting part, actually. Well, that's a nice segue to start talking about We The News and the Laundromat Project. I know they kind of commissioned you to do this project. Can you talk about your introduction to the Laundromat Project and then a little more about We The News? I was looking at artists that I was looking up to and was interested in the work that they were doing. And every time I looked at their CV, like one of the first residencies was the LP. And I was I was like, hmm, okay, the LP, what, what does this mean? <laughs> so then I searched for them and... I also, like at that time, I was living in one of their anchor neighborhoods as well, in bed I'm still living there. So I apply, and I was interested in, uh, I applied with We The News as a project, but I also, there's the possibility that you could apply as a fellow and also as an artist. So I was applying for both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that was my introduction, and I was, I was interested too in, as a way of I was producing the project and developing the project, getting sort of like artist development as well. They have like a series of, you go to a training of a series of workshops that have completely changed my practice. Yeah, that's how I found out about them and kind of like became part of the LP family. How did the workshops completely change your practice? I think it has to do with like the group of fellows and artists that they curate and the people they bring in. One of my favorite workshops was about self-preservation and self-healing, and uh, we went through a series of how to make teas, um, how to have affirmations for ourselves. Also, the conversations around it, like... Um, we did a workshop that was about dismantling race and looking at artists that do that. Um, and I remember the conversations among the fellow and the artist was super powerful. So it's just become this space where these conversations are able to happen and there's like 
agreements among everyone that's like a learning space so everyone's open and we're really there to like feed one another so I think it's about the community and also like the programming around all the workshops. Sounds great. Tell us a little bit about We The News and it's story circles and prompts and zines yeah. and <laughs> pop-up like newsstands. crazy thing. <laughs> <laughs> so We The News is a newsstand that publishes and distributes the stories of black immigrants and first-generation black Americans. How we publish is like, first we document those stories so people come together. I've done four story circles so far, so 10 to 15 participants come together and the story circles are open with a prompt typically around race or identity or migration patterns. And then people are able to respond. They have like 10 to 15 minutes to respond to the prompt. And what happens is like I record those story circles, but there's this beautiful thing that happens is that we don't talk about our stories uh, that often and with other folks. So um, you start seeing during the story circles how other people identify with other folks' stories. And then, for instance, something in one of the story circles happened that was really beautiful was these two domestic workers from the Caribbean. One was from Solusha, the other one was from Trinidad and Tobago. We're talking about all the sacrifices that they made to live here and work for their children and how they wish they could have gone back, but they were at a point that they couldn't. And then there was this woman from Liberia that felt that was her life through her parents. Like She always felt like her parents resent her because they had to stay here because of her and like her siblings. So they were able to have these conversations among each other and have closure to each other. And also they, like the three of them acknowledged that this probably would have been something that they couldn't have talked with like their family member. So, so that, you're creating therapy sessions, basically. Exactly. Well, but no, <laughs> I just let people talk. <laughs> so that's one of the scenes. And what that means is like I recorded that conversation and then edited the conversation with the three of them through email, basically. And then that became a zine that I published 250 times and then those are in the newsstand that is like this pop-up kind of like display thing that is meant to be in the sidewalk. I just did a story circle last week. Was it last week? Yes. With African Services and it was amazing because it was mostly LGBTQ Mm -hmm. folks that were asylum seekers that they're helping get asylum so it was really special because we were able to talk about not only migration but race and sexuality at the same time. Can you give us an example of a prompt? One of my favorites was I'm obsessed with Edward Danticott. She has an essay where she describes her whole family as an artist and the reason why is because she saw all these ways that they resisted to assimilate to American culture, but also like keeping their identity. They had to, you know, like her mom had to 
wear the skirts because of like the religion she practiced but then when she came to New York it was so cold that she couldn't wear those skirts anymore so she ended up sewing her own tights because she couldn't afford like the tights so these ways that we immigrants are creative in order to be able to survive the quote is basically talking about creativity within the immigrant community and recreation of self that story circled ended up being a lot about identity and how we create ourselves once we migrate here and what does that mean and how does it change it okay we the news it's a pop-up newsstand so where have you popped up it's been at corona plaza and the queen's museum it was in harlem it's oh, part of harlem. um we were in front of barn college in August, it'll be again in Bed-Stuy, and it'll be in Long Island City, and hopefully in Harlem again. So how do you choose the neighborhoods, and what's the response been? Like, are people stopping and picking up the zines? Yeah, people stop and grab almost all the scenes, <laughs> and so the response so far has been amazing, and I think people don't necessarily have access to stories like firsthand of black immigrants. And I think that people are really interested in like, I think that there's not enough conversation about the intersection of race and migration. And I think that the ways I've been picking up the neighborhood, uh, the project started in Bed-Stuy, so for sure, and that's my neighborhood. So. The place that's going to be in front of this Caribbean restaurant called Angela's, and if you go there, I'm probably always there <laughs> um, eating. And the other places are places where there's like a higher concentration of immigrant communities. Mm-hmm. How do you find the participants for the story circles? That's a huge important part of the project. <laughs> yeah, uh, without them, I, uh, I partner with the Black Alliance for Just Immigration, better known as Baji, and typically are people that are part of their member network or part of the Black Immigrant Coalition network. I'll be doing the story circles throughout the year, but I'll be doing overall four of them. That sounds really interesting. Just going back to Flowers for Immigration, you were, I'm assuming, just inspired by some of Trump's comments and what was going on, and Trump is still in the news, immigration's (laughs) in the news, you know, with the migrant workers, especially at the southern border. Are you feeling motivated right now with just the depressing news coming out of the White House, the the depressing policy, the separation of families, border patrol agents not allowing people to apply for asylum, like everything that is negative that's happening and unconstitutional. Are you feeling motivated right now to do more projects? How are you just feeling just because your work is so heavily based on immigration? That's such a harsh question. (laughs) How potentially put everything that's coming out in a larger context Mm -hmm. so we could have like a broader vision and I think it's great that everyone is being mobilized and we're really talking about the issue but I often wonder how much they control us versus we control them Mm -hmm. and with everything that's going on with the family separations for instance I thought it was really interesting to see, even on social media, how 
different communities were talking about the issue differently. For instance, how this was an opportunity to talk about family separations have always been mm-hmm. a pattern of American history and how that happened during the slave time and how they were, my studio made was showing me all these different news ads of families looking for their children during the slave period. And then other people talking about what happened with Asian Americans mm-hmm. or like during the internment camps. camps. Yeah. yeah, during the internment camps. And then other folks like just talking about how the U.S. has never done this and how they were like completely ashamed of their country doing this. So that's where I guess like the word critical is kind of like the way I feel sometimes. I feel often very tired of the news and so I'm, I'm more motivated by people that and inspired by meeting folks that are like celebrating their you know, like their spirit, their resilience, and their culture and tradition, no matter whatever it's happening, rather than feeling like we have to immediately do something because this is what's happening in the news. And maybe that's like the completely wrong approach to things, but I just feel that we are in this very interesting junction, and we are definitely not driving the boat like I often feel that they're yeah it just feels like everything is calculated so I'm definitely not motivated by that I'm motivated by other folks in the ground that are still like celebrating and fighting and working and still being who they are (laughs) yeah Yeah. talk about just what's next and what people can expect from you if you can give us a sneak peek I'm interested in the economic power of migrants and not only in the U.S., but back home in their homeland and then how that economic power is oftentimes also a way, like there are systematic forms of that don't allow for that power to live its full potential. But I'm interested in finding ways that we could kind of like take measure or talk about our economic power as migrants and not only again in the U.S. but also in like our countries of origins. That's great. Looking forward to (laughs) seeing how that develops. Yeah. Well thank you so much Lasagna for your time and your energy and ideas and folks can check out our website ccrjustice.org to find out more information about Lasagna Cruz and her pop-ups for We The News and just other projects she's working on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. The Real AF. The Real AF. The Real AF. Yeah, I just need you to say The Real AF. The Real AF. Hey everyone, it's Ian. I'm here with Obia Julu Nwabazor, our events associate here at CCR. Obia, are you ready to answer some questions? Sure. All right. Would you rather have a bit role in a rom-com or an action film? My gut instinct was rom-com because I am a huge rom-com fan. That is my movie genre of choice. And I kind of like to think of my life in that way, which is kind of sad to say. But... 
I think an action movie would be really, really fun. But I'm going to go with the rom-com. What's your favorite rom-com? <laughs> and there's nothing sad about it. Romance and comedy, both two great things. <laughs> um, and favorite movie of all time, Brown Sugar. It's, it's stepped up from just favorite rom-com to favorite movie of all time. It's, <laughs> it's real. It's serious. Would you rather win an Olympic medal, Academy Award, or a Nobel Peace Prize? These are hard. You guys aren't playing around. <laughs> I think the sophisticated mental part of me would rather say Nobel Peace Prize, right? Like, that is, I am at a social justice organization. <laughs> that is what you are supposed to say. Um, but I think the athlete in me wants to say Olympic medal. Like, it's so cool to train and work that hard to do that thing. And it's such a coveted event. It only happens every four years. It's something very rare to see. It's a tie. It's a tie between Nobel Peace Prize and Olympic medal. Do you have a specific sport in mind? I love watching Olympic swimming. I am not a swimmer. <laughs> Never. Do not ask me to do any type of stroke or anything. No laps are coming from me. But I think if I chose, just because of the excitement of it, either swimming or track. Mm-hmm. What event in track? Four by one. Yeah, that's a great one. Mm-hmm. I'm a big track person. That's a great event. Yeah. Would you rather wear sneakers or flip-flops? Flip-flops. Every day. Every without day. question. Wow. Right. <laughs> if I could walk around barefoot, it was like a safe thing to do, I would. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. so no shoes on top of either no one. Shoes. Okay. <laughs> would you rather continue with your life or restart it? <laughs> <laughs> Like, not in a creepy way. <laughs> oh There's some really deep, big questions. And I'm, I'm avoiding a couple here, but here's, here's a, yeah. My goodness. Yeah. I would say continue with it. I don't really believe in regrets. I think everything in life happens for a reason. And I think you are better for everything that has happened to you. So I would rather continue than start over. Would you rather make a phone call or send a text? It depends on who it is. Mm-hmm. I don't like sending long text messages. If it, this is going to be a continued conversation, I'm picking up the phone and I'm calling you. But there's some people you just you just don't want to be on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it just depends. I'm not afraid of a phone call, though. I would say that. And between email and phone, chances are I'm going to pick up the phone and call you versus sending you an email. Would you rather be on a survival reality show or a dating game show? Dating game show. I was watching Naked and Afraid this entire <laughs> past week while I was at home on vacation, and no, I'm not built for that. <laughs> so It's a great show. <laughs> it's a wonderful show. You learn a lot of things. <laughs> but I've I'm, never seen that show. I've just heard of it. People are naked. Yeah. <laughs> they're out there. And they're out surviving. there doing amazing things that I could never do. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks for Thank your you participation. So much. No problem. Thanks so much.